This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and today we are going to do an episode on basically how to take the food that you're eating in the holidays. We've done a, a lot of holiday podcasts here, um, including some of the stuff that we've done with the clients. We've done two client podcasts right now, one with Sarah Hoffman and one with Crystal Williams. Both of those were phenomenal. If you haven't listened to those, you definitely should um, because it, it really gives you a, a deep understanding. Both are coaches. We're starting off with coaches because I think most people know that every coach, like you cannot become a coach for Eat and Form without having done Eat and Form. I'm not going to say never, right? But the problem you run into when you hire someone that hasn't done the program is they tend to come from the eat less background, you know? And so it's really hard to get those folks. I'm not saying we've never hired anyone, right? And you can, you can kind of tell I was scarred from those experiences, um, but they just, they just don't understand what it's like, you know, to get a client to 2,700 calories when they've never done it, you know? And, and, you know, what we've seen, what I think many of you have seen as, as, as lifers, and I'll talk about that here in a second, um, is that your calories often surprise you over time, right? You know, we're pushing that side of things so that you can see visible results and you can, um, you know, really kind of sometimes meet goals you've never met but also sometimes change your goals, right? Like there's a lot of people that started off with eat and form and thought to themselves, well, I have 40 pounds to lose. And then all of a sudden they start to get some body recomp and, and they're perfectly fine, 20 pounds lower, right? I already see a few questions that are coming in that are really relevant to what I just said. So we'll talk about that here in a second. But the other thing that... Um, I wanted to go over um, is that this is our lifetime uh, podcast, right? So everybody on this call, I mean, you would only see them if you're watching this on YouTube, which by the way, we have not only every podcast that we've done relatively recently on YouTube, but, um, and that's under YouTube podcast. There is an older channel with older podcasts, to be completely honest with you. Um, you know, that content was fine at that time, but, you know, we've learned so much over the years that, you know, even like, you know, going back and listening to those, um, it just doesn't feel as relevant as things are today. So I believe that channel's called Eat Form Podcast. We, we um, pretty readily post that link in the group. So um, try to make sure that you're looking for the ones that we're doing with Susan and then Becky and Carolyn. Uh, if you are not a client of Eat to Perform, you might be thinking, well, how do I become a lifetime client? Um, you can only really become a lifetime client once you've done Eat to Perform, and then you know it's kind of offered after the sale. What we don't want is someone who's gung ho for, you know, I'm going to do a diet program and I'm going to spend a lot of money 
you know, on, cause it's not inexpensive, right? I mean, we're, we're charging you for the rest of your life, you know, but it, it's, it's reasonable as it relates to, you know, a lot of one-on-one coaching services. And so um, what I don't want people to do is jump into lifetime right out the gate, you know, and, and then, you know, try to, try to square the circle. Cause it's, it's not something that uh, I think people should walk into lightly, right? But if you want to start, if you want to, we, we do offer it relatively frequently. Um, you know, we'll probably offer it sometime in the spring. So um, you won't have to wait too long, right, to have a shot at lifetime. But I think it's just better to make sure it's a good fit for you and us, right? So in today's podcast, we're already getting a few questions. So I'm going to anticipate that some of those questions are going to to help. But what I wanted to talk about, and we actually did talk about this. There there was a Q&A session that we do. Um, We actually did it with new people and um, uh, regular clients. Uh, because of the holiday, so we won't be having the normal one. In fact, this one that you're on right now um, is normally a week from now. So kind of keep that in mind as we move forward, but we'll obviously have to adjust for Christmas next month, right? So what I wanted to talk about, and it's interesting because, you know, in the Q&A, I hope to have a few fat loss questions because I think what happened with the Q&A last week was, and you saw this in the group, um, and if you're you know, uh, new to all of this or thinking about signing up, there is a group of 12,000 people. And that group is really more about kind of the goings on and celebrating people's um, accomplishments and stuff like this, because obviously the majority of the technical stuff is going to be covered by your coaches. But uh, we already had one, and there was someone that that asked if if this is a bodybuilding um, way of life and and is uh, was this a good fit for her? And in general, I'm not going to say no because I've had a few. Um, and we and I have one now. Um, that may want to compete eventually. In general, I'm not that supportive of bodybuilding. And I'll tell you why. Um, I'm supportive of bodybuilding the way that I do it, <laughs> right? Where, where you're not trying to get on stage. You're not trying to do these long dieting cycles to, to get 2% more body fat. I think the, the best way for people to have a healthy relationship with food is of course to have long periods where you're not dieting. But the idea of being stage lean where, you know, all your veins are popping out and you've got eight pack abs and, and things of that nature. I, I've seen a lot of eating performers get to that level um, without having to restrict as long as most bodybuilders do. The interesting thing about bodybuilding in general is that it's it, it, they don't spend a lot of time bodybuilding, right? And you know, I was talking to my my um, 
well, he's not my coach yet because he's really busy, but uh, my pickleball coach was a natural bodybuilder, which I thought was interesting. And I explained him my thoughts on bodybuilding. And he said that, uh, I don't know which one of you guys had the poll on how quickly Paul would talk about pickleball, but um, I believe, you know, we're what, 12 minutes in. So 12 minutes, you won. Um, the, you made it longer than I thought you would. Okay, well, thank you. Um, I, I don't know if I've introduced uh, Carolyn and Becky yet. Uh, that was, Becky has a little bit of uh, uh, noise in the background. So I'm not sure how much of uh, Becky we're gonna hear, but when you hear the ca Canadian reading the questions, that'll be Carolyn. So, um, but I was explaining to him as a natural bodybuilder that, you know, I think it's interesting that they call it bodybuilding because the majority of the time people don't spend time bodybuilding, at least for natural bodybuilders, they spend a lot of time dieting. And he's like, totally agree. And I said, and then I will say the one thing that, you know, I said, the first person that I meet, you know, I've said this before in podcasts, but the first person that I meet that has a healthy relationship with food from a bodybuilding background will literally be the first person, you know, it, it really can harm people, you know. And I remember having a discussion with a need to form coach who wanted to, to do it. And I walked her through all the stages that she would need to do. Because when I got my leanest, it was pretty similar to the way that bodybuilders would do it. Um, it was probably a little bit longer. Now, there was a, there was a strong element of performance. But I had really taken the the working out piece um, to the extreme to to a point where like I just don't think is necessary. I think it actually was harmful. I've talked about that a lot, you know. But I had a choice, you know. It was I going to stay that lean and and make all the sacrifices that needed to be made, or was I going to move to my regular life and I moved to my regular life you know and and I don't I have no regrets about it I I think when you see yourself you know with four veins in your you know below your navel and your six packed up instead of four packed up man it's it's hard not to become addicted to that you know um but it's interesting because I think it plays into all of our levels of vanity. It plays into, you know, what we believe society wants from us and, and, and things of that nature. Um, I remember talking to someone about it, you know, and, you know, I was 260 pounds at one point, you know, and really, you know, when you think about it, there's only one person that I'm really trying to impress in life, and that's my wife, you know, and, uh, you know, pretty much anything less than 260 was going to be, be a huge plus, you know, I wouldn't say that the, it's interesting, because I did not have uh, a negative mindset, like you would have liked 260 pound Paul, he was a fun guy, right, I was very successful at, at what I was doing at that time, 
and you know i i we traveled the world um you know we were with my family my daughters have never spent the day not traveling the world um so so it wasn't it wasn't about like hating who i was it was about i want to extend this as long as possible and and of course you know at some point you just go oh my god how did it get this bad right and and you want to do something about it but all my efforts previously i just didn't feel in control and and once i started taking fitness serious it really felt like i i i added a level of control that i never had even less and that was groundbreaking and i'm sure all of you know exactly what i'm talking about right because you start eating an adequate amount of food and and at that time you know i was intentionally eating more than 5000 calories a day um i did do the eat perform way where i would pull down to 2000 every now and again right and that only happened like twice for only a couple of weeks the good majority of the time you know it was it was you know, working out three times a day, lots of cardio at one point, you know, and uh, for the most part, I didn't really understand uh, all the repercussions of all the things that we're doing. If I had any regret, like I've said this a million times, you know, I would have done it a lot slower because I wouldn't have blown through a lot of muscle. I've gained all that muscle back um, plus some, but you know, it would have been nice to not have to do that piece, right? So, um, yeah, and I mean, I think the other thing too is, um, you know, the when I got my leanest, I was too small, which is, you know, I know for a lot of women that's that doesn't play the same way that it it does for men, um, but I weighed less than my wife, which my wife was not happy with. Um, and, and I, I just looked like a teenager, you know, and I, and I didn't necessarily want to look like that. I mean, it was nice to see the pictures with the rippling abs and the veins and stuff like that. But those pictures, you know, usually were taken, you know, with, with like a, a, a white and dark filter, right? So in regular life, I just looked like every other person, you know, but, but when I took the filter, like, all this other stuff really showed up and um yeah so so i think that's that's a big piece of of kind of what we do you know i mean i would love for the narrative to be that you know all the weight loss stories that we've been a part of all the pictures that have happened over the last 10 years um but you know the thing that we're most proud of is the relationship with food. And I think that if uh, I hadn't done that, we wouldn't have gone in the direction. And so that's why not only is this not about bodybuilding program, it's something that we sort of openly discourage if you're thinking stage ready, right? Um, uh, I, I hate to keep going on this. I'm going to continue though. Uh, I do have a former eat performer that is very active in uh, bodybuilding 
She's been very successful. There's been a lot of people, you know, Ethan Form at the end of the day is sort of a good um, stop, right? Like along the way for people. I mean, we've had many people go on to the CrossFit Games and the Olympics and just all these different things. And it was fun to be part of their journey. But like for this person, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be part of the the journey that she's had you know to hear her talk about herself negatively when she's at a level that almost no one is uh, on the planet right you just start to realize how your mind changes when you eat less that much and then when someone's judging you right and they say that you're the ninth person on stage and you've literally worked your face off to get to that point. Um, and, and what does ninth compared to fifth mean, <laughs> right? A lot of times it's very political, you know? So, so the, the judges see someone at five or six, you know, things, they're going to gravitate towards that. It doesn't always end up being fair in that regard. And then you have to walk away with that mental baggage, you know? And so, so kind of keep that in mind, right? There, you know, I'm sure we could have great conversations. I'm absolutely certain that her part of Eat the Perform really helped, you know, what the journey that she's on now. But, you know, she's, um, you know, she's got some young children. Um, I often get scared of, of like what message that level of lean you know, is sending to those kids, you know? Um, and so, so those are, those are some of my concerns related to that kind of stuff. So not really a bodybuilding, but that's one of the reasons why. So uh, the other thing, big announcement is that we're coming up on our, our 10th year. Um, it's technically going to be our ninth year, but we are going to do a challenge. We in the group we're talking about that challenge, what that looks like, and what you guys might think that that it should look like. So we're looking for a lot of feedback in that regard. Uh, some of the really great feedback is just to be alerted weekly. Um, I guess a lot of people were of the understanding. Um, there was one challenge where you kind of had to qualify to kind of go to the next level, right? The majority of them are weekly challenges. So, so they reset every single week, you know? And anyone, if, if you wanted to win a prize in a contest, this probably is the easiest way to do it because, you know, we had, we had one person making a suggestion and she had won three prizes in one contest. Right. So um, it is it is one of these contests that, you know, if you take it serious for all 10 weeks, man, you got a really good shot at winning a good amount of, of, of prizes or gift cards or whatever we're giving away at that time. But it's going to be a thousand dollars a week, you know, and we come out of pocket for that thousand dollars like it's not one of these bullshit, you know. Um, uh, you know, someone donates you the stuff that they have on clearance and then you give away that stuff. We give away like Apple watches and like Breville air fryers and, you know, stuff that people really want, you know, 
So they tend to be pretty fun in that regard. Okay, so um, we do have some questions. I definitely wanna get into those. I'm just gonna walk real quickly. It'd probably take five to six minutes in terms of what, what you should do. I do think that we have to talk about drinking in this instance, right? If you are drinking, probably the best thing to do is to rehydrate and take a rest day after you know a day of drinking. Now, if you had a few beers or one glass of wine or something, you're probably fine. But if it was a day where you kind of really enjoyed yourself, and, and I'm saying this with no, with no judgment at all, right? Like, like, I believe food and drink should be a part of most people's lives. I know, you know, most people know I'm sober, I don't drink, but my wife drinks, you know, and sometimes she drinks for joy and sometimes those are really fun nights. Um, but uh, I don't have any, you know, I don't have any way of thought because I don't drink, you know, I wish I could drink. I, I wish I knew what it was like to drink moderately. Um, in fact, you know, for those that don't know, I've been sober 33 to 35 years at this point. I, it's, it's one of those dates. Um, after, after a certain point, it's just a lot, you know. But, um, you know, some of my alcoholic friends have a little bit of a problem with the fact that I say this, that I don't really know if I was addicted right? The, I just started building this life and I just can't imagine a scenario where I would want to give that up. Right. And so, you know, I started when I was 18 years old, you know, and, and so, you know, most of my, you know, accomplishments related to, well, I mean, it's, it's a weird accomplishment, right? It's like, it's, a, it's like accomplishment for not screwing up not that i don't value it it's one of the things i value most of my life but but um i just don't want people to think that i have an opinion on alcohol that i don't right like i think the good majority of you are able to drink alcohol responsibly and i wish that was the case for people on my team right but we just can't and so the alcohol consumption is different so if we're talking about alcohol consumption, the big thing you want is just kind of flush that out through your system. You don't want to be paying the price because you drank last night. If you have a whoop, and I just got my whoop uh, 4.0 and it's charging. Um, the day after you drink, people often show 6%, 8%, red, 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 don't work out. You know, but if you're of the mindset that you have to pay the price every day after you drink and, and your weight's going to be up, um, whoop is a, uh, it's a way to track your, your workouts. Um, it's normally a subscription service. I was one, actually one of the first people to ever buy a whoop. So they, it, it is like athletic, but, but athletic is not, is not as good as a whoop um, just because the Apple watch isn't really designed similar to the whoop. It's more specific to performance. And I love my whoop, but 
you know, would I tell people to get a subscription? I think, yeah, I would. And the reason why I would is because every single version of the Whoop, I get a new one, right? So if you're on a subscription, like if you have an Apple Watch, the only option is to buy another $600 Apple Watch. You know, at this point, every year or two, a Whoop comes up and they get a new whoop and then you get a new whoop right so so that to me is is a lot of value right and you know we were talking about this with my family related to like 23 and me and i think it's really similar related to some of this technology related to strain and workouts and and hrv heart rate variability a lot of this technology is kind of moving to where it's going to go. It's not necessarily where it is right now. The big value to a whoop is your sleep. You know, you will think of your sleep differently the minute you have a whoop, right? Because, you know, what you find is that you're going to be green most of the days that, that you have a whoop. But getting back to the holidays, the... Um, and oh, by the way, what I just said is all free of charge. I, I'm not paid by Whoop to say that, you know. So I genuinely do like the product. Um, the so alcohol matters. Give it a day. Just take the just take the day off. You know, go for a hike. You know, it doesn't mean you have to be inactive. Even with the Whoop, like like it will tell you. You know. You know, this would be a good day for a hike or, or, you know, weight training typically should be done at a high yellow, maybe a low green. Um, CrossFit, you should probably be green most of those days. I know that's somewhat hard if you struggle with sleep, but that's some of the advice that, that they give along the way. And so, so, you know, what happens if you're not familiar, if you're not checking on it, if you're not checking your, your, your heart rate, what you're going to find is that, that everything's going to be kind of negative after big days of drinking. So big days of drinking, you want to rest. Um, if you're a moderate drinker, right, and you've had a lot of mashed potatoes and stuffing, um, that's a really good day for lifting, you know? probably a really good day for lifting sets and reps, but I would probably make the argument that it's also a good day to test your one rep max, or um, I'm not a big test your one rep max guy, um, but I do, I will go, you know, 80 to 90% on those days, you know, um, just because, you know, you're just less of a risk for injury. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's fun to know, how much you can lift, but if you start to get in that routine of lifting 80 to 90, you know, you're going to lift more as you go. And that's still similar progress, right? Most people don't know um, what their real one rep max is, right? Because, you know, as someone that has trained powerlifting, I didn't know what my one rep max was. You know, I mean, once you start to nail down a lot of the things that that help in that regard, um, it really makes a big difference. What would be optimal? 
probably set some reps of five to eight working out for two to three days or two to three hours in the gym. Um, do we all like that? Is that something that gets you excited the day after Thanksgiving to, to go to the gym and sit in the gym, you know, for three hours? Probably not. Right. Um, you're probably going to want something a little bit more challenging. We used to do a total on the day after Thanksgiving, because obviously, you know, it's one of the days that you're going to eat the most calories for the year. And the, it's, it's really, it, it's really a unique opportunity in a lot of ways. The other thing that, so, so, so that would be my recommendation. Okay, so here's the part on endurance. And, and this can be real simple. If you feel like running, go run, right? I'm, we're supportive of that. Um, is it the best thing you could possibly do to kind of get those muscles full and things of that nature? No, you know. If you're thinking of it and, and you're going, I need to burn off all these calories, I would like you to think about that one a little bit. I would like you to kind of go, how best can I use these calories, right? But if, if your family does a hike, you know, that day, every single year, don't avoid that hike, you know, just because Paul said it would be best. I'm not going to go to the gym and do do two to three hours. You know, I'm way too ADHD for that. Um, and if you, if you didn't know that by now, just wait. You know, the ramblings in this podcast should give you a real clue that like, you know, I segment things in, in a certain way. I just really struggle going to the gym. And whenever I do any kind of, you know, technically bodybuilding work, that is well-fed and, and things of this nature, it's usually about an hour and a half and I break it down. If I'm doing bodybuilding, those are usually gonna be six days a week and I'm breaking it down to about an hour to an hour and a half of very specific parts of my body. And then through those six days, that's how I do it. But I can't do you know, backs and legs for three hours and then, you know, rest for two days and then, and lift for three days. That's just, I don't enjoy that. Um, and so the big takeaway is you want to stay active, right? Um, now I will say this, if I was making the case for endurance, the time between Thanksgiving and the first of the year might be the best case for it, right? Because many of you are going to struggle to stay weight stable in those times. And even though your weight might be up a little bit, I think everyone kind of recognized that if you do some type of crossfit you know, HIIT workout, something of this nature that you would normally do anyway, that you're really going to struggle to kind of, you know, use those calories efficiently. Endurance will do that. Right. So if you go for a five mile run or something of this nature or three mile run, you know, I mean, the one thing I would caution people is if you're sort of new to fitness, don't don't try and, you know, run five miles, you know, but if, you know, long hikes, things of that nature, I, I would argue that. From Thanksgiving 
to January 1st, it's by any means necessary, right? And the one thing that I would definitely say is, and this is what we see. And this is, by the way, what we see whenever anyone gains weight, right? It's not the macros. What it is, is the moments where people are kind of letting things get away from them, right? So when we look at the people that dig a big hole, what do we see in their files? Well, they're not trying to estimate, they aren't weighing themselves, you know, they're relatively inactive, you know, um, those things add up, right? And it's fine, you know, we can deal with it afterward, or, you know, after the first of the year, the problem that you run into after first of the year, one, a lot of people are drinking and those alcohol, those, those are not useful calories. Those are not building your metabolism, right? So what happens a lot of times is people, you know, have, you know, five to six days where they, they overconsume alcohol. They're thinking because their weight is up, that they're going to lose a lot of weight because clearly their calories are off, right? When in fact, their calories aren't off, you know, just the way that the body metabolizes alcohol is different. You know, you're going to be dealing with a little bit more systemic inflammation that needs to go through your body. And then what ends up happening is you move to to January 1st, that fluid kind of leaves. And then you realize, actually, I wasn't eating all that much, you know? Because I wasn't tracking, I wasn't estimating. I mean, Sarah talked about that so well that, and and I don't, you know, I believe that all of you should have the flexibility to eat the way that you like, especially around vacations, especially around family events and things of this nature. But what I don't believe is that you should over adjust so much so that your calorie average ends up being lower most of the time. And the reason is, because then when you move to the fat loss in January 1st, you don't get the result that you want. The reason why we have so many amazing transformations after January 1st is because all these new people come in, right? And they were actually over-consuming. You know, most of you who've been around Eat Reform, even though you, you listen to the message of Eat Reform, even though you hear all this stuff, you know, you're still probably a little weight conscious. You're still... You know, like the person that comes to us on January 1st, they might not have checked the scale for two years. You know, if you're checking the scale every day, you're naturally going to be more cognizant of it and you're naturally going to make an adjustment. So when Carolyn or Becky say to you, you know, we really need to get on plan here, you can be like, screw that. Weight's up four four pounds from this weekend. I got to deal with that first, you know, and it doesn't really allow for because it, it was going, that four pounds was going to go away anyway, right? But but the difference is you want it to go away today rather than Thursday. And then the big thing that happens is that instead of going into January 1st with the seven pound gain that you might have had because you, you know, kind of had a lot of events and they all added up, is you don't start seven pounds higher mentally you start seven pounds lower, right? And so you end up losing, let's say you lose 12 pounds in, in uh, you know, fat loss one, right? That's a great accomplishment. 
unless you thought you started seven pounds lower, then you only lost five pounds, you know? So you got to kind of keep that in mind as we go. So I really think that this demonization of, 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 of cardio and endurance has gone too far. You know, it's as if we're like against that and we're not, but, you know, between, you know, Thanksgiving and January 1st, like I said, by any means necessary, does that mean that you're going to be doing the most optimal things so that you can see your, your abs? No. Right. But does that mean that you're going to be able to keep out of a, of a bigger hole? Yes. And that's the goal. Right. And so, so you, you walk into that whole situation. So um, of the questions, Carolyn, that, that we had that we were going to address, I feel like I addressed most of it, but if, if you feel like I didn't, you can ask it in a question, but let me just yeah. double check. Uh, well, Lori was asking what a healthy body fat percentage is. She's saying, isn't Sarah's 15% low? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll address that in just a second. But what exercise are best if you can only go to the gym a couple times during the week? We probably didn't address that. Um, yeah. So that, it, I would definitely make sure that you're getting steps in the other times. And then if I only could work out two days a week during the holidays, I would probably make sure I'm getting in resistance training um, in those moments and then trying to make steps a uh, a priority. I think I addressed the, the nights off thing. So yeah, I think we covered all the questions, but no, 15%. So here's the thing. Here's the thing with what's healthy and what's not. It's how you get there, right? So 15% for Sarah is very healthy because she is eating the good majority of the time. All the science based on what is healthy, what is not healthy, often can be pointed to menstrual cycle, right? If you still have a menstrual cycle. Um, if you still have a menstrual, menstrual cycle, you're doing it right, right? Most of the science based on what's healthy and unhealthy, where hormones go down and all these negatives, all come down to how you did it, right? And in Sarah's case, you know, you, if you listen to the podcast, she's eating 27, 2800 calories most of the time. So when she goes down to 2000 calories and maybe even a little bit lower occasionally, but you heard she talked about it, it, it wouldn't be more than once a year. And I mean, if you follow Sarah in real life, you know, or follow her, her um, influencer page, I mean, she's traveling all the time, you know. I mean, she is the best example. She's way better example for you to perform than I am, you know, because, you know, I'm just in my house running underneath to perform the majority of the time. She's traveling a lot and, and doing a lot of things and, and drinking and eating and having a good life. So if she's at 15% and she's doing that with the, with the right way, there have been, so body fat, Especially, uh, here's one thing that you should know. At the lowest ranges, especially for women, body fat uh, is almost never right. Um, the, the, the amount 
of um, expected value always has a percentage and that whatever the highest percentage is, as women are lower in body fat percentage, it's much closer to the highest, highest percentage. So if the highest percentage is three to 7% range, very likely people that think that they're 7% are more close to 14%, right? So you have to kind of keep that in mind. Um, but no, it just comes down, it really just comes down to, to how you're doing it. I mean, Sarah's in her third year of doing Eat to Perform. You know, if you look at her, you know, early pitchers, um, they were they were fine, but they don't look like what they look like now. And that's just time, right? I, 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 I think that's the greatest thing about Eat to Perform that I love the most is all of you, right? Who have made this a priority for the rest of your life, you know? Cause that's the only thing that really works, you know? And you see a lot of messages out there. Well, you know, it's about consistency. It's about consistency. Most programs that are preaching consistency don't pull calories back to normal, right? So the reason why they're preaching consistency is because they know some of you aren't consistent on occasion, even the best of you, right? So then if you're like a really super rigid person and you went to Vegas and you didn't track your food for two days, but now your weight's not moving, now all of a sudden you're going to go, well, that's a me problem, right? And it's probably not a you problem. You know, the, the consistency message, I mean, of course it's helpful, right? Of course it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense under eating all the time, you know? So when you're hearing a consistency message from a source that isn't easy to perform, you have to really think of that differently because what there's consistency is, is, is consistently under eating, right? How many people are literally trying to sell you on the fact that food should be an ally in your life. It's just not that many. And the majority that are don't have a business model that supports that, right? So like if you're hearing from a, from, you know, somebody like a Susan, you know, that you should be eating a good amount of calories so that you can perform better. Well, a lot of times that's because Susan has a book that sells that, right? And you know, if, if you're following people that have a diet app or, or something of this nature, they're going to be talking about consistency under eating, you know, and, and the sad part about it is, is that, you know, almost all of these people know the truth, right? But they don't do a great job. You know, people go, well, why do you talk about it so much? Why is it such a, because everybody else is saying this other thing. Right. I don't need to say that because that is in the ether. What I need to convince people of is what the actual science says, that calories need to be normal the majority of the time so that we can you know, thrive as human beings. You know, when we look at what our program is, we look at it as an aging gracefully program. We don't look at it as a weight loss program. You know, I mean, it does do weight loss. We are focusing on that. I have talked a lot about the fact that, you know, I believe that there should always be some level of weight management, but I think as we get older and older and older, it should really, there should be less and less of that because it becomes more and more harmful, right? Because when you think about osteoporosis and, and, and joint pain and, and things of this nature, 
the things that everybody wants to talk about is glucosamine and calcium supplements and all this other type of stuff. What they don't want to talk about is getting more rest, not killing yourself in the gym, not running 15 miles a day, right? All these things actually matter much more than glucosamine, <laughs> you know? And so, um, and then resistance training, right? Like if you want to look at, not only does your muscles get stronger when you resist strain, um, but so, do, so does your bones, so does your tendons, so does everything. And then if you don't rest it, you know, um, you don't allow for full healing. And so most of the problems that people have from overuse issues is just that. They just don't stop, you know? And, I, and I'm the biggest hypocrite in this regard. You know, we just started this new pickleball tips group. And, you know, I mean, I struggle to rest, you know, because, you know, I just really like it, you know, but I've had to learn that I need to, to practice what I preach. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to be dealing with things that are going to keep me off the pickleball court. And that, that would be a disaster. Okay, next question, Carolyn. Okay, Kim's asking, what advice can you give to someone who has hit their goals they set when they joined and feels adrift now, wondering where to go next? I feel very off not having a measure, measurable goal. How do I keep my commitment up while I figure this out? So you have to change, right? That's, that's the answer. Yeah, your goals just need to change. And it really can't be about a weight goal. Um, weight goals in general, I think, are more harmful than helpful in almost every single case. Um, for me, right, um, I actually had to abandon my weight goals. Um, I think, you know, I've talked about it quite a, quite a bit that, um, you know, I weigh 50 pounds more than I did at my lowest, you know, but I also have 35 pounds more muscle. Well, if you do the math there, that's 15 more pounds of fat that I probably wouldn't have wanted. Um, for me, as I talk about trying to expand that window where you're not dieting, that does mean that I have to be a little bit uncomfortable. I think what happens is, is that we as humans become too clingy to the goal of reaching our goals. And then we struggle figuring out what our new why should be. One your why of I need to weigh a hundred and whatever was probably insufficient as a why goal anyway, right? Um, but if you're a person that needs to have a carrot, you know, find an active carrot, right? Find something that you love, that you want to do, you know, um, it could be travel, right? Um, the... I, I, but like active travel, right? I mean, like even, you know, when, you know, I took my daughter to Paris for uh, the whole family, but, but it was mostly for my oldest daughter. Um, and then my youngest daughter, we were supposed to go to Italy and then there was a pandemic. Um, but I took my oldest daughter to Paris, right? Well, I don't know if you've been to Paris or New York or, or any of these big cities, but you walk all the time. You literally get 30 to 35,000 steps nonstop. So you can eat pretty much anything you want 
at those times because of that, right? And so um, I think you have to reestablish who you ultimately want to be, right? Like, you know, realistically thinking, did that make me happy, right? Then what does make me happy? What, what are the things that when I do that, I really enjoy myself, you know? And that's one of the biggest challenges that people have with weight loss goals. And I say this every t- single time because that, that was what happened to me, you know, is once I lost hundred pounds, it was like, well, what now? You know, do I keep working out three times a day? Do I keep, you know, eating 5,000 calories? I just don't want to eat this much anymore, you know? Um, and I had to make a compromise and, and now my calories are more close to 3,3500. I don't work out near as much. Um, I am focused much more on keeping the muscle that I have and the tendons that I have and the, you know, the, um, cartilage, um, rather than, you know, just overdoing things. So that's really the challenge there, right? Is, is how do you reestablish what your real why is? You know, and for most people, your real why is, you know, for me, I want to be an active grandfather, right? I don't know if my daughters are going to have kids, you know, but I want to be the person that volunteers, you know, at a boys club um, or girls club, right? Um, at, At 70, you know, and is the one running the basketball courses or, or something of that nature, right? Like expand your why to be more inclusive. And I think that's the real answer to that question. Okay, we missed one from Lori. She was asking, can you expand on what you briefly mentioned in the last power hour about carbs in the AM? Uh, I don't know the context of the question. Um, I can't remember what we, what we spoke about, about that. If, if she's just talking about fueling, um, in the morning for a workout. So, I mean, I could talk real briefly on, on the idea, the majority of your carbohydrates that you eat in starches and your evening meals are usually fine. Right. Um, in terms of carbohydrates in the morning, I mean, if you're working out at, at 5 a.m., um, you should be able to use the carbohydrates from the night previous. Um, I will say that, and I've talked about this a lot for myself, I did have to add in, um, like a small mixed meal because, because I, I was just having blood sugar issues when I was working out at at, uh, I think it was like a 6.30 class, right? So I would wake up at 5 a.m. I would have a few espressos and and I would have this this really small meal of four ounces of yogurt, um, some granola and a little bit of honey and, and the blood sugar issues went away. That's exclusive to me, might be your situation. I don't know. If you work out at nine to 10, you should almost always have like a little, little breakfast. And oh, by the way, in terms of carbohydrates in the morning, you've never heard me say just carbohydrates in the morning. That did not happen. Um, I'm a big believer in mixed meals. Now, 
what's the standard recommendation? The standard recommendation is two to one carbohydrates to protein. That's been the standard recommendation forever. Um, I don't believe in that per se for most people. Um, your body does figure it out, right? The science is pretty clear on that. Um, does having a little fat slow absorption? Yes, but your body deals with it a little bit better as a result, right? And so um, the good majority of anything that you do related to uh, working out and how well you work out and how youthful your workouts gonna be is not about timing. It is much more about saturation. It's much more about making sure that you're getting an adequate amount of food. Like if you're in fat loss, as an example, um, that might be part of the problem right now, right? Like it's not just that you don't feel energetic. Like when we think about the majority of the advice out there, you know, where, well, you know, just put two to one carbohydrates to protein around your workouts. It's because most people are eating such a low amount that they want, they almost are trying to earn, you know, that 20 grams of carbohydrates and the 10 grams of protein. The majority of you should be eating normal the good majority of the time and feel great around these workouts. So if, if you don't feel a need to work out, like for me, I did. I needed that to, to feel right. Now, I haven't worked out at that time in a very long time. Um, I might try that fasting, you know. Um, but fasted is not inherently better than not fasted, just so you know. Um, it's, just a, it's just a matter of what works best for you, you know. But um, I'm not a huge believer in, I know some people can get away with it. Susan makes the argument for it quite a bit. I'm absolutely certain that for uh, elite athletes, that some level of carbohydrates um, can be consumed without fats and they're fine, um, might, maybe even better. But I think that in those situations, usually the carbohydrates are highly diluted. You know, they're not, they're not, um, the kinds of carbohydrates that are on the serving. So like, as an example, um, the Targo recommends two scoops, right? Um, well, I found around endurance athletes and I found actually the studies really showed that it should be about half a scoop with an electrolyte in 20 ounces of water. Otherwise you get kind of that sloshy feeling that you get. I, I, I know we've always... We've all had it if we've ever been like an endurance person where you kind of overdid, you know, maybe the carbohydrates or, 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 you know, Gatorade's like good for this, you know, just because it's got too much sugar. So if you use it during a, a thing, the absorption's not fast enough. So you can kind of get that sloshy feeling, uh, maybe even leading to cramps, right? Um, so yeah, that's the answer to that. So we've covered virtually every part of that. Um, Joanna has a recovery question here. I have HRV recovery rating built into my sleep app that connects to my Apple watch auto sleep. Most weeks it says I'm at a one or two out of five. And when I lift heavy on those days, my workouts are not good. But if I only lift on days that I'm three out of five, 
or greater, I might lift one or two days a week max, which doesn't seem like enough. I'm in PR, but what should I focus on to increase my recovery and be able to have good workouts more often? I'm a full-time student in a stressful program, so maybe that's an issue. Yeah, that is the issue, right? Like, like this is the this is similar to under eating all the time, right? So if if what you're basically saying is, is I don't sleep a lot, right? That's the majority of the issue when we're talking about heart rate variability. Heart rate variability is better with good rest. So you're saying, well, I'm a student and and things of this nature. I would argue that you should adjust your workouts to the recommendations that they're giving you. So you can lift, um, you know, at a one or two. I don't know that you should, because you're really only going to be at, at 40 to 50%, maybe even lower. Um, but the, the focus needs to be is making sure that you have a consistent bedtime, making sure that you have a consistent wake time. If you're, you're, you know, um, dealing with stress, you know, focus on the, the process of what's causing that stress, right? Like for instance, you know, would it be less stressful um, to get your projects done a week ahead of time rather than waiting to the last minute, right? Um, all of those kind of things do add up, you know, and, you know, you're probably younger than, than myself and, and a few of the other coaches, um, we don't, we don't have the options you guys have, <laughs> you know, like, like our, our bodies, our minds, everything has to have a certain routine for us to function well. And we just can't, I mean, you could say you're 41, I'm 53 and I'm just going to tell you 41 is really different. And I mean, and I understand the, the five kids thing, right? I, I had two kids. Um, I was the primary person at home and I've never had a time where I didn't run a business with employees, right? Which is very stressful, right? Because, you know, if you look at each perform, we have, you know, 60, 70 people. Um, you have those people's lives in your hands at all times, right? Like, like they're paying their bills off of that. That's really stressful, you know? And so, but what you start to realize is that, you know, I think we get into this mindset of doing more, eating less, things of this nature. It's just so hard to reverse that barge because it's a, it's a relatively slow process. You're trying to fix this and then all of a sudden your kids' projects aren't done and you got to do that. So you got to stay up to midnight on that night and then everything gets messed up and you can't nap right? You're, you're, you're working through things at one and two. I will tell you this flat out. If, if I'm getting a one and two on HRV, I don't work out, right? And, and what, what, what happens when you do that is now all of a sudden, everything that you do changes because you realize that that's an important piece of your life. And so if you said, well, I only get three to five, two days a week, well, you know, lift on those two days a week, try and fill in the other <clears throat> five days with something like yoga, something like, you know, it's a little bit more low intensity that, oh, by the way, 
might leave relieve more stress. A lot of times, you know, I mean, I think this is obvious to a lot of people, but but maybe it's not. Um, weightlifting is stress, right? It's it's you're putting stress on your body so that your body has to adjust to that stress, right? And that's how it makes changes. So adding stress on stress is going to be a negative, right? And all it's going to do is hurt your HRV long-term, right? What I see is when I take full rest days, you know, and sometimes you might need help from your husband um, or partner or whoever, you know, help with those five kids, you know, um, you're going to ask for, you're going to need to ask for help in a lot of those situations to take full rest days so you can get fully recovered. That's the answer. Um, I will tell you, you know, you're going to have to make a lot of compromises along the way, you know, and, you know, working, working out at, at 30% is just not a compromise that I'm willing to make, nor is it a compromise that I think you need to make. You know, I, I think you can work out, you know, ways to um, stay active, right? Without, I mean, you can walk, right? Uh, walking, I've never seen walking negatively affect HRV unless, you know, we're 30 to 35,000 steps, but, you know, um, I, I'm speculating there. That's not something I would do. You know, but, you, you know, just going for a leisurely walk with those five kids, you know, maybe, well, maybe it's not leisurely, but um, yeah, you know, try and find ways to accommodate your life rather than going, okay, Paul, what do I do? I only am recovered, you know, one to two as, as a part of my HRV. I'm going to give you the bad news. The bad news is you got to get to the point where you're three to fives more. Um, there's a couple other questions in regards to these. Um, someone was saying, asking, how would you say Whoop compares to Garmin or Fitbit? And um, Taylor was just asking, how does single digit HRV system correlate with HRV as Whoop measures? So in terms of uh, Fitbit, um, I haven't seen any of their new HRV stuff. I have to think that they're behind uh, where everyone else is. I can't speak to that. My understanding is that the Garmin stuff's really good. Um, the uh, you know Garmin is based on mostly runners, hikers, things of that nature. So their wheelhouse for HRV, and they've been in the HRV business for a while. Um, so, so I, if I didn't have a whoop, I would probably have a Garmin. Uh, I don't, you know, unless Fitbit is really, really changed. Um, I, it's just, it's just a different class, right? Cause it's, 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 it's meant to be inexpensive, right? Garmin's are 600 bucks a watch, you know, a whoop is going to be, you know, 20 to $30 a month, you know? So, so you, you get some quality. Um, is it that much better? You know, I mean, something is better than nothing for sure. You know, so, I mean, if you can only afford a Fitbit, I would say afford a Fitbit. I think, I think this technology is going to be a big piece of, of what happens going forward. In terms of single digit 
you know, um, one to five, one to 10, as opposed to um, the way that, that Whoop does it. Um, I, I would say that anything under five, you know, you want to be careful working out. You want to be closer to 10. I don't know that 10 is the, you know, I'm not 10. <laughs> you know, um, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I would say of the days this week, I was green six of the seven days, but there was a few of the days that were, you know, low seventies. Um, so that's green, but, but that means, you know, you're ready, but, you know, might be time for rest here soon. And then what happens is, is kind of the scenario that we just talked about where you've got five kids, you're not getting any sleep, your kid had a project at, 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 you know, till midnight, and then you have to wake up at five, you know, and now all of a sudden your, your HRV stats are going to be ridiculously bad. I think in the good majority of those situations, people suck it up and they suck it up too much. And what I've found is that I am much better off and they suck it up by the way, because their weight's up, right. Or they don't want their weight to, to go up. Right. Um, what I've found is in terms of weight stability, things of this nature, the more close you're working out at hundred percent, the more you can do and the more you can manage your weight, right? The closer you are to not being able to do things where you feel you're like you're going to faint because you were up at till midnight, you woke up at five, you had to drink 16 espressos just to try to get to the gym. You know, um, you, you just got to learn to be better than that. And you got to learn that working out five to six days a week isn't near as important as working out three days a week at a hundred percent. You want to work out at a hundred percent, even if that's only two days a week. Right. Um, we have one in here and by the way, that would probably be a great prize, some sort of device to monitor recovery, um, for our upcoming, uh, contest. Um, yeah. Allison was asking, I believe it was Allison, yes, we messed up in here, about um, optimal, optimal muscle development. How frequently do you need to lift weights? Uh, is two times a week enough? She's also playing pickleball. So it's not enough, right? Um, it's a compromise, you know? Um, you know, I, I think I've made it pretty clear. I'm not lifting at all right now, <laughs> you know? Um, it's just, I, I, I just can't, you know, I mean, if I'm playing three hours a day, you know, five days a week, four to five, I mean, I'm trying to lower to four, but man, it's just, it's just tough. Um, now I could try to work out, you know, um, in the mornings, you know, it's just, I'm a big believer. If you have the whip, use it, you know, and, and it's so, it's so rare for us to feel passionate about something that's active, you know, that when you get it, just go with it. That's why I say like, you know, all these people that, that are running marathons and they're like, but I love running marathons. Um, it's like, if you love marathons, you know, and, and you can't, if you, the night before you're gonna wake up so excited to do a marathon, then nothing I'm saying about resistance training should apply to you, right? You just don't get that. It goes away. So when you have it, just just take advantage of that, you know? 
And I'm gonna mix in some resistance training and things of this nature, but I can I can look in the mirror. I mean, when I woke up this morning, I was like, I'm still doing fine. I think a good majority of the problem with people that do endurance sports and, and pickleball is an endurance sport. I mean, I'll just tell you, like with my speaking to my whoop, the the pickleball is much bigger workout than going to CrossFit for 15 minutes. Right, doing a CrossFit CrossFit workout for 15 minutes. My strain on a 15-minute workout at CrossFit is like seven or eight, right? I'm routinely at 15, 16 pickleball, but but that's that's three hours a day. You're running back and forth, depending on how, how much you're playing singles, you know. So it's it's more correlated to endurance. The problem is, is that the majority of people that are doing endurance sports aren't eating the types of calories that they need to eat to recover. And so they end up losing muscle as a result. Now, does that mean that you should do no resistance training? No, that's probably not. Aw, Kim. Um, the, uh, but no, you should be, you should be um, trying to do something. And I will get back to doing something. I mean, it's getting to the point, right, where it's, it's cold. Even wanting to go to the place, the place that I play pickleball right now is 40 minutes from my house. So I'm pretty sure... I'm going to get, and I do have a new squat, squat bar. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember that when I showed you that, um, but I posted that in the ETB train. I am really excited to get back to using that, but not, not as excited as I am, you know, to, to do something that I love, you know? And so to me, you know, if it, if it means that, you know, I have a two pack or a four pack, but I'm doing something I love, you know, um, I'll stick with the two pack to four pack. Once again, you know, like my wife thinks I'm Brad Pitt now, right? I was obese, you know, I, I, I don't want to make these arguments into, you know, why our spouses love us more or love us less. But I do think that the majority of us have our own goals and our own mental stuff and the people that we're with the people that love us the people that you know we really only care about their opinions they're good you know and like if you know if you ask them i'm sure they show you you know we just saw an example of what i was talking about with kim is her husband came in and kissed her like i think a lot of the way that we feel sometimes is taking body composition and, and, and going too far, right? That's what I did. You know, once I knew I was in control, I was like, you know, let's, let's do this. Because I was seeing something that I'd never seen before. Um, and lucky for me, it wasn't addicted. You know, a lot of people get addicted to optimal body composition and it becomes more important than actual health, right? And for men, like, like you want, if you want to know how, I've never heard a natural bodybuilder um, dispute this. When their calories are at the lowest, in that last month of prep, they cannot get an erection, right? So think about that. Like, you're literally willing to give up your manhood you know, for, and, and women are experiencing the same thing. It's just that they don't have a visible thing, right? But libido goes down, things of that nature.
But if you're literally willing to give up your manhood, you know, it feels like that's gone too far, you know? And, and that's something that I just, you know, I never really experienced it like that, but I did, as most people know, I'm on testosterone replacement. Um, but I, but I did have, you know, um, low testosterone as a result of 10 to 12 years of, of dieting back and forth. Right. And, um, you know, it just, it get that's how addictive it is. And it, and it plays into the darkest parts of our brain, you know? And so you got to be careful of that. I think we're good. I think we got to everybody. All right. And it only took us 16 more minutes um, to get that done. So I appreciate everybody being here. Hopefully this was helpful. Um, we always get good feedback on our, on our podcast. Uh, it would it would be certainly helpful if people were to, to subscribe and hit notifications on any of the platforms that they're on, because, you know, that's the way that those podcasts get exposed, but we're going to do a better job of kind of getting those podcasts out there. And like I said, on YouTube, if you're not able to listen to a podcast for, you know, an hour, hour and 15 minutes, they're broken into clips. Right. And the clips all have, you know, a description of what it is. So you can literally pick the topic that you want to watch. And, you know, within five to three minutes, you'll be done. And so that's usually the way I consume content, you know, is five to three minutes at a time. So I would definitely look out for that. And I think uh, Kelsey has those um, individualized in playlists. And I think we have something in other order of. 30 to 50 podcasts, you know, up right now. So um, you could spend some time getting that done. All right. I appreciate everybody being here and hopefully everyone enjoys their weekend. Talk to you later. Bye now.